0: Hello and welcome to the Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. As always, I'm JT, and each week, I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. So often, skeptics point out that UFOs, flying saucers, and aliens only started appearing when movies, television, and science fiction started covering these topics. But how does that function in a country that has a censored and controlled media? Do you really think that people in North Korea have watch parties for Independence Day and Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Tonight I'm going to introduce you to a case very few people outside of the UFO community will know, but it's one of the most fascinating and truly terrifying cases that you will ever hear of, so keep listening. First and foremost, folks, I just wanted to mention that uh, I will be covering tonight the News of the Damned. But uh, with what's going on right now in Brazil, uh, with Majé, it, it would really be amiss of me to cover any other stories. So all three articles tonight will be talking about this Majé incident. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there's quite a flap going on in Brazil right now. Uh, there have been several claims of UFOs being sighted, um, crash landings things seen on Google Earth, so on and so forth. So it's quite a fascinating case. So I'll be covering that over in a little bit more depth tonight than I usually would uh, for some of the news of the damned. So I'm going to read you about three or four articles about that. Uh, for those of you who are interested in UFO topics, I can't really remember the last time I remember such a major case with you know, uh, uh, accusations of, of crash retrieval uh, was unfolding right in front of my eyes, so it's definitely something you should look into. But uh, before we get to that, folks, um, I just wanted to go over a few few things here. You know, first off, it's been a, a, an amazing week here uh, for me at the Paranormal Sun. Aside from the uh, from the two days that I, I lost to an epic migraine, so the show's coming out a, a day later than it usually would. So I do apologize for that, but I'm feeling much better now. Aside from that, uh, the first thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to give a shout out to Nico in Texas. It's his birthday today, and uh, I just wanna wish him happy birthday. So from the from the paranormal son to you, uh, happy birthday. I hope that everything goes great for you, Nico, and you really enjoy your birthday. I wish you the best, and I hope that you enjoy and enjoy the time with, with your mom and um, with friends and family. I also wanna wish a belated happy birthday to Ashley in Illinois. So that's another close friend of the show, and I just wanted to uh, make sure that I wish uh, wish her a happy belated birthday, and I hope that you had a great one. Uh, now, as far as uh, you know, show updates, folks. Uh, the Instagram page has been uh, going well again, so we're up uh, over a hundred followers. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of followers from all over the world on there. It's been brilliant. So again, uh, if you're a fan of the show and and you like what I do, you want to know a bit more about it, uh, you can go and follow me on the Instagram page over there. So it's just the paranormal sun, uh, the underscore paranormal underscore sun um, over on Instagram. And again, it's not too hard to work out because it's the same logo uh, is my profile photo as I use for the show to try and keep it easy uh i've got a lot of new listeners uh from all over so uh thanks again for listening i've got a good loyal fan base in the uk really do appreciate it and um why not you know uk is is one of the hotbeds of the paranormal and the strange uh how can you not be when you've had uh, people living there for thousands and thousands of years um you know certainly there will be things uh, along the lines of stonehenge and lots of hauntings and all sorts of things going on there so uh to all of you and and to all the listeners all over the world, thank you again uh, for for just um, listening and um, you know giving me feedback and enjoying the show. It means a lot to me. I had another bit of a fanboy moment uh, during the week as well. Uh, I mentioned a few podcasts on on the Paranormal Sun that I've really enjoyed over the years and uh, some of the some of the shows that have given me inspiration. And uh, you know, as I said, one of my favorite uh, podcasts on on this type of subject matter is uh, Expanded Perspectives, and uh, they're now following um, the Paranormal Sun on Instagram, so that's amazing. And um, I just want to say thanks to Cam and Kyle, and they've also, you know, they've sent me a few messages on there, given me support, uh, given me some, uh, you know, some some positive encouragement, and it, it means the world to me. So thanks for that. And again, I just want to make sure that I uh, give a shout out to Harry and Lisa in North Carolina who just continue to support me in every way. Um, Again, you two have been amazing. Thanks. It really means the world to me. And I also want to make sure that I give a shout out to Scott in Missouri. Uh, Again, Scott's been helping me with the ongoing uh, audio battle behind the scenes. And if it wasn't for Scott, um, you know, uh, the sound quality that you're getting wouldn't be half as good as it has been. So. You know, I've, I've got a microphone um, so I think I've got the audio about sorted out but again still if, uh, if you think it can improve you can drop me a, an email at uh, the paranormal at gmail.com and uh, if, if you like what I'm what I'm doing, if you enjoy the show folks, um, you know ag- again if you want to support the show, you can go over and you can support me on Instagram. you know you can add me on there you can you can like the posts that I make. Uh, I always uh, post a lead up to the shows. So, you know, throughout the week, I'll post up uh, two or three at least posts with, you know, kind of teasers about what I'm going to cover over the upcoming week. Uh, a lot of times it's photos that are uh, pertinent to whatever case or whatever, uh, uh, you know, subject matter that I'm going to discuss. And then oftentimes after the show as well, I'll post up another two or three posts, uh, you know, just as a bit of a wrap up so you can see some of the photographs especially. Um, and then also, you know, if, if you really want to support the show as well, you know, you can go over and support me on, um, on Patreon if you'd like to. I've got a Patreon page set up. So again, you know, um, you can follow the link from the Anchor uh, homepage if you want. Uh, but again, you know, folks, that's completely up to you and I appreciate any, any help that I get. So uh, again, you know, in the vein of being a bit more transparent as far as what's going on with future episodes, the next episode I'm going to be covering over is a really fascinating case, especially for those of you who uh, enjoy kind of ancient mysteries, lost, uh, lost cities, things that are out of place, things that history has told us uh, this is the way it is, and then there's just these fascinating little glimpses sometimes that we get that uh, there's a lot more to history than what we've been told. There's a lot more uh, kind of, you know, behind the scenes going on, a lot of kind of uh, covered up things. So uh, the next episodes, uh, uh, that, that uh, subject will be about the lost city in the Grand Canyon in the U.S. So if you haven't heard about this one, you'll definitely want to tune in, folks. It's one of the most fascinating, um, you know, uh, topics that uh, has really drawn me into this sort of thing. And again, this is fairly recent history. This was in the early 1900s that uh, that uh, this case, um, you know, occurred. And for those of you who have heard, you'll know it's fascinating. For those of you who haven't, uh, yeah, make sure that you tune in for that show. That will be excellent. And now, ladies and gentlemen, over to the news of the damned. So for those of you who aren't aware, the news of the damned is a segment where I will cover over a few topics each week discussing, uh, 40N or paranormal topics this week. However, I've decided to do a full, full court press on the Maje UFO sightings, because the more I hear about it, the more fascinating it's become. So it's very important that, uh, I feel that, you know, we cover it because it's a bit of a breaking, breaking news here. So, um, for those of you who haven't heard, there's been all kinds of rumors floating around in Brazil. Um, and again, for those of you who don't know, Brazil is a real hotbed of UFO activity over the years. When I was growing up, I remember reading about several cases. There was a very famous case about a farmer being abducted. There was the 1993 or 94 case, uh, and I believe that was called uh, Veronia, something along those lines. And uh, there's a high likelihood that I'll be covering those two cases at least in some degree in future shows. So, yeah, there's definitely something going on in Brazil. Um, Not quite sure what it is at this point. As I say, it's a bit of a breaking news. So, first, I'm going to read these articles to you, or a good bit of them. And as always, these links will be in the show notes. And then, once I finish with this, I'm going to give you a bit of conjecture I've heard as well. And some of the internet scuttlebutt that's going around. So this first article is from Aldia Social, which is aldianews.com, which uh, I would say is a South American publication. And this one says, A strange phenomenon seen in Brazilian sky triggers conspiracy theories. Were there paratroopers with flashlights, satellites, or, as internet users point out, a flying saucer? Now, this article was from Beatriz Garcia, and it was published on the 19th of May, 2020. So it says, in the Brazilian city of Magé, is often remembered as the place of where Garincha, the greatest soccer dribbler in history, grew up, but also for the two decades of crime and political corruption that have plagued this region, just north of Rio de Janeiro. However, last Wednesday, Magé made headlines for something as inexplicable and prodigious as, as a sighting. Thousands of people uploaded videos showing luminous orbs of blue, red, and yellow moving across the city sky. So again, here, folks, not it's not that thousands of people have seen it, but thousands of people have been uploading videos. So, you know, that is quite a differentiation to make. So, you know, you're probably talking tens or hundreds of thousands of people who are actually seeing these lights. Soon, the Brazilian press echoed the phenomenon without anyone reporting it to the authorities. A huge ball of conspiracies, even more unusual than those mysterious lights, began to gestate on the Internet. Not only were the videos viral, but there were comments on Twitter and Reddit about loud explosions and gunfire, military cordons, and alleged warnings that the Army was arresting anyone who approached the site where the landings were taking place. The trick-or-treat of the Internet. In an era of post-truth and widespread panic, the Internet has become the best ally of conspiracy theorists, because of its rapid spread and among billions of users. When what happened at Maje went viral, new publications emerged using the Mage UFO hashtag, but suddenly they disappeared both from the r slash UFO subreddit and from Twitter, which made Internet users denounce censorship. That's how Vice explained it. Threads and comments about UFOs were removed from the r slash UFO subreddit. In one post, a moderator said, I see a lot of stupidity in this thread, so let me make it absolutely clear. Mods here don't censor. If a post is stupid or offensive, it will be removed. If it's a hoax, it will be removed." Users criticized the moderators harshly. Even Google was accused of being a cover-up because of a link on Google Maps that some internet users posted that showed a satellite image of Maje with a glowing orb in the shape of a flying saucer. Now, I've posted that photo. I went on to Google Earth, took a screenshot of that, and posted it up on the Instagram page for those of you who are curious. In this case, what people are viewing in the images is a reflection that is temporarily overloading the satellite sensor, said a Google spokesman. Essentially, the sun reflected off the surface of that building at just the right angle to briefly blind the satellite. This is a fairly common phenomenon known as saturation or blooming. Unexplained phenomenon. Since the quarantine began around the world, other strange events in the sky have been reported, and over time they have also been reported as recurrent, like the rows of lights that crossed the sky in early April and were eventually identified as Starlink satellites to provide internet access to the world owned by Elon Musk's company. Now I've seen that, folks, and um, I can say that if you didn't know what you were looking at, um, you would definitely be going, what the heck is that, because you see these lights passing overhead in a train is kind of the best way to describe it because they're all linked together and you just see these lights passing over your head I could fully understand why someone would think that they that was a UFO if they didn't know about the the satellites however Brazil has long has a long history of UFO and even UFO sightings sorry folks this uh, article isn't written in the most coherent manner I'm thinking that someone has translated it from Spanish to English One of the most notorious sightings which lasted for months occurred in 1977 on Colores Island at the mouth of the Amazon when inhabitants were attacked by unidentified objects whose radiation produced burns on the body that reportedly healed within 10 minutes. Yet that's another very famous case in Brazil. And uh, the one that I was talking about before, that's the 1996 case in uh, Virginia. Virginia. That's how it looks like it's pronounced. I'm very sorry. Uh, I usually uh, am a bit more prepared for this, and I'll usually have uh, read in advance how to pronounce it. But anyway, that is a very interesting case. And as so many of these cases around the world, that is one that often gets described as, you know, quote, Brazil's Roswell, unquote. So again, I'll put a link in the show notes, but um, there is some very good information in there, I believe. Uh, okay, on to the next article, which is from the TimesHub.IN. So I believe that would be out of India. I'm not certain, though. No. It says, In Brazil, crash UFOs, Witnesses in Panic by Natasha Kumar, 19th of May, 2020. So again, you can see this is um, nine days ago. So again, this is really an unfolding story, folks. After the crash of an unknown flying object on the Internet started to get weird, someone actively removes posts with videos about this unexplained phenomenon. Thousands of people in Brazil have seen a huge UFO in the sky over the country. Social networks are flooded with videos shot on smartphones like a flying disc-shaped object circling high in the sky and glowing blue, red, and yellow lights. On one video, you notice that the lights arranged in a triangle. Later, there were reports that this horrible object crashed into the Brazilian rainforest. But then things get weird. Eyewitnesses also report that Google Maps has hidden pictures from the scene of a UFO crash. The Express.co noticed that dozens of posts with the hashtag hashtag MageUFO Twitter disappeared and on Reddit have started to delete posts relating to the Brazilian UFO. So again, this alludes to what I had discussed just a little bit ago on the other article. After that, UFOologists have shared the link to satellite image of Google Maps. So again, we've covered that over. What people see on the pictures is a reflection. So again, they're they're saying the same thing here. Witnesses also reported loud explosions and gunfire near the crash site of the object, as well as the heightened attention of police and military to what is happening. Anyway, even if the unidentified flying object in the skies over Brazil really is a spaceship, nevertheless, more reasonable explanation is a satellite or a different, perhaps previously unknown to science, astronomical phenomenon. Now again, folks, I've given you my feelings multiple times on the show about, um, uh, you know, debunkers and um, uh, skeptics. Again, healthy skepticism, no problem with it. And again, I I do believe in Occam's razor, so I believe that oftentimes the simplest explanation is the uh, is usually correct. However, like I say again I'm always reminded of the quote from uh, um, geez I can I can think of the man right now but um, he, he, he did uh, dark mission was one of the one of the uh, books that, that he wrote uh, and he was involved with NASA uh, Richard C Hoagland that's it and his quote was that all it takes is one white crow to prove that all crows are not black and again, you, you can sit here and you can say, oh, it was a satellite, oh, it was this and that. And and look, like I say, the vast majority of them may be, but it only takes one, okay? It only takes one. So now on to the next article here, which is from Gizmodo. So this is from Gizmodo AU, and um, this one is titled Dead Drop, Keep the UFO News Cycle Coming. Uh, this, is, this one, it just says that it was a week ago, and uh, it was written by Whitney Kimball. Now the reason why this one was interesting to me was it had a little bit different information than the other than the uh, other ones. So they cover over again the the vice report. They cover over the kind of the same uh, basic story, but um, here just down a bit further, it talks about. Um, uh, it just talks about you know some of these. Um, it's got some video embedded in the web in the web page as well, which is really good. And again, it just talks about, um, you know, Google basically saying that their satellite was blinded by this flash. And, um, you know, yeah, they don't know why the hashtags have been taken down off of Twitter. But again, this just gives you another, uh, you know, outlet, gives you a little bit different um, take on it. And then the last one I've got here is from Dazed. So this one's from DazedDigital.com. And uh, this one is titled, People Are Convinced a UFO Crashed in Brazil. And this one was published on the 22nd, so just six days ago, 22nd of May. And uh, it was written by Britt Dawson. And it says, After thousands reported seeing glowing lights in the sky, videos and posts began disappearing from social media, sparking suspicion of a cover-up. Uh, now, now, again, a lot of this here, folks, is you know kind of a rehash of the other stories. But, again, I'm just trying to show you, how many are out there and uh, you know how many kind of different um, how many different articles there are right now doing the rounds about Maje and again this this one has some video which I, I that's the main reason why I included some of these just so you can get a little bit of a different uh, you know intake on some of these uh, videos and a little bit uh, you know differing views but uh, look it, it, it is really interesting everything that I've been hearing about this now Okay, so when I told you that I would talk about a bit of conjecture and kind of the, um, the rumors that are, that are making, the, making the rounds in the UFO community right now. Now, one of the, one of the programs that I really like and one of the longtime um, you know, investigators who's been investigating longer than I've been alive, and, and that's saying something. She was involved in the cattle mutilations in the, in the early 70s in the U.S., and her name's Linda Moulton Howe. Um, you know, she's in her 70s now, but Linda's always been a very uh, professional journalist. You know, she, she doesn't, um, she doesn't uh, cook stories or give them with a certain slant. You know, she always goes out and does her due diligence. And again, she's been doing this for 40 plus years, you know, going on 50 years. Well, on Linda's program the other night uh, on YouTube, you know, you can just find it on YouTube if you search Earth Files, or, um, you know, Linda Moulton Howe, but Earth Files is the easiest way. Well, anyway, Linda was, uh, you know, she had this fascinating um, uh, episode that I was listening to, and I'll go back and I'll get the details, and and I'll update you in the next show, but basically, they had somehow got their hands on purportedly uh, intercepted uh, radio communication amongst the Brazilian military and police force, so Obviously, for those of you who don't know, in Brazil, the the uh, the the uh, kind of um, the standard language there is Portuguese. So most people speak Portuguese, and the official language is Portuguese. So that's what the military and the police would would use. Well, anyway, Linda had someone um, translate this uh, radio transmission into English, and it was quite you know a it was quite fascinating, but b it was quite disconcerting because. If it's true, it's another case of another major government lying to us all about UFOs and their existence. Because you know, listening to this program, they were basically saying these uh, these men on the um, on the radio transmission. You know, it was basically a military operation. And okay, you for you know you know I'm just giving an example. Uh, you know, but U-2 or U-4 proceed, da-da-da, and they were talking about, you know, as they moved up, they were describing the craft, they were describing the entities that were in the craft, they were saying they weren't human, and so it was quite fascinating, um, you know, picture yourself in 1947 in Roswell, and, uh, you know, if, if, the, if the stories that we're, we're led to believe are true, about you know a crash saucer and um, and entities uh, you know um, be they alien or uh, you know whatever but non-human um, just imagine that uh, you listened in on those radio transmissions among the military back then and had transcripts of it. So look to me, it's just really fascinating. Again, this is breaking news, folks. This is a breaking uh, story that's you know just really getting up and going, and uh, you know. I'll do my best to keep you updated as best as I can. Now, for tonight's show, because of the fact that I've spent so long on these, you know, on what's going on in Maje, Brazil, I'm just going to split it in half. So, when you go in to uh, listen to the episode, it'll be one of the first times you'll see two segments. So, you know, I'll have the first segment, and then the second segment, I'm going to discuss uh, completely the Veronias case. All right? So... Bear with me, folks. Now, for those of you who are my age or a bit a bit older or a bit younger on either side. Uh, You would have lived through parts of the Cold War, and you would have understood some of the things that went on back at that time. Now, um, Russia, when I was growing up, the USSR, it was the evil empire. You know, I grew up uh, when I was a boy. It was the time of Ronald Reagan and the famous speeches of um, I will bury you. And, um, uh, you know, uh, Gorbachev uh, came along, and Gorbachev and Reagan started working out a little bit of the thawing in the relations, but um, yeah, early on, uh, you know, when I was a boy, I remember we were always worried that basically it was going to be World War Three and the end of the end of humanity. So, for those of you who are old enough to remember, cast your mind back to the year 1989, and do your best to take yourself back then. Now, it was very close to the fall of the Berlin Wall, the fall of Eastern Europe the fall of the Warsaw Pact and communism and the disestablishment of the USSR. But uh, Russia and the USSR in and of itself, for outsiders, especially for Westerners, it actually has a very long history of paranormal, unexplained, anomalous type subjects that so many people don't know about. You've got the ALMA, which is a type of hairy Bigfoot-type creature or similar to a Yeti. You've got some really fascinating things in Siberia. I mean, Russia is such a massively large country even now, without being the entire USSR, that uh, I believe when you go across Russia, it's at least eight time zones, I know, maybe more. But, I mean, it's amazingly massive, you know. It's just a huge country. So, um, you know, there are bound to be areas that are mysterious, that have got some anomalous properties to them, but uh, Russia, as I say, there's so much about Russia that the average person, you know, born born and raised in the West doesn't know about, and uh, for me personally, it's, uh, you know, it's been great. There's there's a gentleman named Paul Stonehill who was born in Kiev, and uh, he was born in 1959, and he's later immigrated to the U.S. in 1972. Not only is this uh, man, you know, he's, he's got uh, very, very well-spoken in English. He's also a bit of a hero because during the Cold War, he smuggled people out of Eastern Europe. He helped dissidents. He fed people who were on the run. I mean, he, he definitely did his part to uh, speed the downfall of communism. But more importantly to me, as, as important as that is, don't get me wrong, more importantly to me is that he is really the gateway to knowledge of Russia and the USSR along these topics that that we're talking about tonight, and specifically UFO, UFOs, Paul Stonehill has done so much excellent work of documenting some of these cases that you never would have heard heard of otherwise. I mean, that's where I've heard of these cases. You also have obviously Jacques Jacques Vallee, which I said um, you know was one of the first and the biggest UFO researchers to go into. The former Soviet Union after its fall. And, uh, you know, he's owed a large amount of credit. And then also, you know, more recently, someone like Nick Redfern has written a few books about, uh, you know, what went on in the Soviet Union, some of the UFOs, and some of the other things that have happened. But, um, yeah, look, folks, as we go on through this show, I will definitely be bringing up some other topics from the Far East, from Russia and um, Siberia and i think you'll be fascinated when you hear some of these stories because they're they're surreal i mean the thing about ufo's in general that draws me it's not it's not so cut and dried as to be everyone sees grays everyone sees flying saucers everyone sees uh you know robots I, it's so different and varied that's the amazing part to me and russia is the Testbed for the strange, as far as I'm concerned. The strangest, the oddest, the most surreal cases that I hear of, almost all of them happen in Russia for whatever reason. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. Again, you know, for those of you in the audience who are old enough to remember, cast your mind back to 1989. Think about the, uh, the fact that the world was just on the cusp of changing from a Cold War. Uh, you know, you you had the uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall, was around this time. Uh, not long after this, you know, then we, we go into uh, Gulf Storm and, and the USS, well, the U.S. and the global coalition fighting against Saddam Hussein in Kuwait and Iraq. So this case occurred, as I say, in Russia, in the USSR in 1989. Uh, so... The, the background, really, to this case, again, is just as fascinating as the actual incident. So, on the week of September the 21st through the 27th of 1989, thousands of people in Veronese, which is a city of 800,000 people, by the way, there have been different um, articles I've read or instances where people refer to Veronese as a village. Um, yeah, uh, not a village, and it hasn't been a village, and anyone who is alive's now lifetime it's a massive city um, and there were thousands of people that saw uh... flying lights in the sky pink and red orbs and uh... you know all of these lights were seen in the evening but you know thousands of people saw them and there was a real buzz and whispering going around the city as people were kind of wondering what was going to happen next you know what were these orbs what were these lights was it you know some kind of Soviet secret weapon to keep the people in check because although the USSR was opening up a little bit and and relaxing some of the restrictions on people, there were still cases of people going missing and disappearing. And uh, so, you know, people were very much on edge around this. Now, as I say, you know, the, the USSR was going through perestroika and glasnost, uh, so it was opening up to the people. So the government was being more receptive to telling the people what was going on, keeping them informed, and also reforming the state. Uh, so, you know, again, for most people who have studied or know about the USSR, we, we always picture these people in the USSR standing in bread lines for food and, you know, not having much. So a lot of these instances were about trying to trying to introduce a small level of capitalism into the USSR. Very similar to what China did, uh, but China obviously did it much more successfully and uh, allowed the communist government to stay in power. So the reason why it's important, just to give you a bit of a background around this, is people were on edge, people were very nervous, things were changing, life wasn't the same as it had always been, and, uh, you know, in the foreseeable future none of their lives would ever be the same after the fall of the Soviet Union. So on September the 27th, this is uh, the case that I'm going to discuss. So on September the 27th at about 6.30 in the evening, uh, three children were playing football or soccer in a park in Veronese. So one of these boys heard a strange whistling, and he pointed out to the other boys, he said, oh, do you hear that? And the other boys nodded and said yes and then they slowly saw a glowing pink orb head towards them. So it was moving quite slowly. Now as the orb got closer, they said that it started to turn color, and it eventually turned into a very dark red color. They estimated that it was 5 to 9 meters wide, or 15 to 30 feet. Now they could see that the orb was slowly moving towards them still, And then it stopped and hovered about 12 meters off the ground, which is about 35 feet. So it was hovering above the grass on the outskirt of of the uh, soccer field where they were playing. And the boys described the grass rippling as though the wind was blowing on it from above like a fan pointing down. So to me, that's very similar to the wash that you get from a helicopter when when it hovers over an area. But the important thing is that aside from that initial whistling, they heard no noise coming from the sphere. Now, after a few minutes, the, f- the sphere slowly moved away. And um, 40 or 50 adults and children gathered to see what was happening because, you know, they were really at a loss to understand what was going on. Now, it only gets stranger from here, folks, because, uh, you know, if, if that was all that this case was, I wouldn't be doing a program about it. Within a few minutes, the sphere returned and hovered off the ground again. Now, this time, a rectangular portal opened in the side of the sphere and a very odd three-eyed creature stuck its head out of the portal, looked around as if it was scanning the area, and then pulled its head back inside. And the onlooker said that this creature was so large that it, it almost filled this entire portal, so it was quite large. The sphere then landed on four legs and a door opened up at the bottom. Straight out of the movies, folks. It sounds just like *Close Encounters of the Third Kind*. So uh, now, as I go forward, there will be a little bit of difference in some of these stories because the story originally, you know, you know, the sighting took place in Russia. It was written up in the uh, RTSS, I believe it is, which is the Russian Telegraph Service, and then it was picked up by the St. Louis Post Dispatch. And then the New York Times. So there are potentially some translation and confusion um, issues, uh, for instance, uh, around numbers and sizes of things. So all I'm saying here, folks, is if it if it sounds like some of these uh, you know things aren't quite too clear, there is a reason behind it, and I'll discuss it at the end. So remember now, you've got this sphere that has landed on four legs, and a door has opened up. Now, out of this door walked a massive nine foot tall, or three meter tall, giant, for lack of a better word. It wore a silver jumpsuit with bronze boots, and it had a large disc on its chest. It had a small dome-shaped head with two white eyes and a third red eye above the two white eyes, so in a triangular formation. This creature was joined by a small boxy robot with two legs and two small arms. So again, think of like the old portable televisions almost, I would say, with two arms coming out of it and two legs. This is from the witness drawings. This is the best that I can, you know, give a description for you to envisage in your mind. Now again, this is where it gets a bit convoluted because some of the stories say that there were more than one creature that came out, and the robot. Some say there were two, some say there were three, but again, this could have been involved in a translation uh, mix-up. Now the creature said something that no one could understand. They heard him speaking, but they couldn't understand what he was saying, or it was saying. And a glowing rectangle or triangle appeared on the ground in front of it, it then uttered something else and the, and the same shape vanished. So it was glowing, it was lit, and first it appeared, then this creature said something, and it disappeared. Uh, and then it made some adjustments on the back of the boxy robot, and the robot started moving around the park, uh, collecting soil samples, and it looked like it was uh, taking readings. Now, after a few moments of this, it was too much for a small boy in the crowd, and he screamed. Now, the giant creature pivoted towards the boy, looked at him, and a beam of light shot from from its eyes and surrounded the boy. Now, obviously, you know, this sent a wave of panic through the crowd uh, to see this. This is straight out of War of the Worlds. Now, a a few moments later, the giant robot... The the giant, the robot, and the sphere all vanished. So they didn't take off. They didn't fly away. They literally vanished before everyone's eyes as if they were made invisible. They, They reappeared in the same place about five minutes later. They hadn't moved. But this time, the giant was holding a rod that was about a foot long. A rod or a tube. Now... It, was po- it, it then pointed this rod or tube at a 16-year-old boy in the crowd, and the boy vanished. Now, obviously, this shocked and terrified the crowd, but at this point, they were all paralyzed by fear, and they did nothing. The giant and the robot then slowly returned to the sphere, and the sphere flew off into the distance. Now, just as the sphere was going out of sight, the 16-year-old then reappeared. One of the witnesses had been an off-duty police officer. He was a lieutenant. Now again, there are varying accounts of this. Some of the accounts say that he was there with these forty or fifty people. Some other accounts say that he only ever saw the orb. But either way, you had a police lieutenant who was highly respected, at the very least saw this orb in and around the park. Now on the back of this, and once word got around, uh, uh, the police came very soon after to see what was going on, and they took witness statements. So they came around. They asked the people on on the uh, on the ground what had went on. The witnesses took statements. Uh, you know, the police took the statements of the witnesses, including this lieutenant. This lieutenant was interviewed. I've seen uh, some of the tapes of him being interviewed by uh, by news stations in uh, the USSR. So again. The reason why I'm saying all of this will, again, become clear at the end. Now, with all of this going on, the local government contacted Moscow and asked for some scientists to come and investigate. So the, uh, the central government dispatched some scientists to the area, and they found marks on the ground in the park from the landing gear. And uh, that the ground from where the park had landed, so again, when, when, when not the first time when it hovered, but the second time when the craft actually landed, the ground under the grass was turned to stone or the consistency of stone. So it was either made you know, quite dried out and, and hard or was actually turned to stone. Now, allegedly, the scientists found and recovered some rocks that at first they thought were red sandstone. But uh, they later described as not being from this earth. Uh, again, it's one of those things, folks, where I wish there were more details on some of these things. But uh, some of the scientists were quoted as saying these were not terrestrial rocks, but uh, they didn't give any more uh, background on it, which is obviously very frustrating for all of us. The scientists estimated that the object weighed up to 11 tons due to the way that the the, the marks were from the landing gear and the pressure applied into the soil. Now as the newspapers investigated the incident they learned of the earlier sightings that had been occurring all week. All of these sightings took place between 6 and 9 p.m. so that's very fascinating. Maybe there were some in the day and no one saw it because you know it wasn't dark but again they all fit in this very convenient three-hour window and again we're talking about thousands of sightings. Now most of these sightings only involve people seeing spheres, so again these colored spheres, specifically the pink and red ones, but some of them did involve seeing the giant and the robot again, and some even involved people seeing small grayish-green creatures in loose-fitting overcoats. Now the scientists also took radiation, uh, you know, radiation readings with Geiger counters, and they found that the radiation was above background levels, so there was an increased amount of radiation. Now, again, one of the things here to note, folks, is that, uh, you know, the Russian government, the the Soviet government, actually dispatched these scientists officially. The local government also said that if these creatures returned, they would assign troops to guard the park. So everyone here was taking this very seriously. Now, once the St. Louis Post-Dispatch picked up this story, it seems like... You know, they were having a bit of tongue-in-cheek fun with the Russians. Um, as you can imagine, this was still the Cold War, and there were people on both sides that, you know, wanted us all to think that the enemy was, you know, <laughs> you know insane. Um, the enemy, you know, uh, they thought differently, they looked at things differently. So, you know, of course you would want to poke fun at your enemy's government. So it seems like both the the post dispatch and also the New York Times story um, were really making fun of it. You know, they claim that only children were at the park; there were no adults. So again, um, that makes it easier to explain. You can say, "Oh well, there's all these kids, and they they had this imagination, and then the adults believe them." So again, you know, basically saying that, "Oh well, you know, Russians can't even tell child's fantasy from uh, from a supposed UFO." But again, that's untrue. It's, it's, it's been stated multiple times that there were many witnesses at the park that were adults, including an off-duty police lieutenant. Now, Time magazine also covered the case at the time, but they also revisited it later in 2015 for the 25th year anniversary. Now, I've read that article, and that 2014 article is really just, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's really debunking it. It says that the article was made up by uh, Soviet writers testing the system and how far they could go. So again, folks, what's happened here is that the way that people have tried to explain away this case, as you will get with every UFO case, in this instance, the claim from Western media is that the Russian media of the time with Glasnost and with this opening up of the Soviet controls basically said, oh, well, let's just write the most insane story that we possibly can to see if we can get away with it. Again folks, to me, clutching at straws when when you hear things like that. With all of the translation issues and the transcribing going on between the USSR and to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and back and then to the New York Times, of course I do believe that there may be some details here that were lost in translation but to just act like, oh, well, it was all completely, you know, staged by the newspaper. Well, if that's the case, why do you have a long-tenured police lieutenant who's uh, well thought of by other officers going on the record on television and saying that this was real, okay? Why do you have Soviet scientists involved? Why do you have the local government saying we will station troops in the park if these entities are seen again. I'm sorry but it just doesn't hold water to me to think that, oh yeah, well, you know, it was all hallucination or children making this up, so on and so forth. There were also other cases before and after this case describing similar entities in and around this time in the Soviet Union. As time has gone on, I haven't been able to find another case that described these creatures. But, you know, whatever happened in Veronias on the 27th of September 1989, I definitely don't have the answers. It's fascinating. And again, as always, I try to leave it up to you as the listening audience to make up your own mind. But I will tell you again that when you get into things like, you know, skeptics and debunkers, um, they'll stop at nothing to just basically explain away such things. And... As is often the case, in an instance like this, you know, they will say, oh, well, there are no real witnesses. You just have these, uh, you know, oh, there are 40 to 50 people. However, again, the names of the boys are known that were at the park. Now, I don't know of anyone tracking them down and interviewing them again. But again, remember that Russian is one of the hardest languages for Western European and uh, North American people to learn. So it's not like everyone is running around Russia with tape recorders uh, doing these interviews. There may be something out there in the Russian language that I don't know about. And if I find out about it in future, I'll make sure to uh, let you know. As I say, I'll always update you um, any breaking news that I hear on any of these cases in future episodes. Now with all of that said folks, I hope that you really did enjoy this uh, this UFO encounter. It's one of the strangest and one of the most terrifying ones that I've ever heard of. You know, imagine seeing these creatures shoot a beam of light out of uh, their three eyes and their head. They're already nine feet tall and huge. Um, they appear to have a robot with them. They shoot this beam at a child. They vanish on the spot, reappear, point a rod or a tube at another boy and he disappears. The first thing that would go through most people's minds is that this is an attack. So you know, again, this to me is just a fascinating case. And I really wanted to highlight it to you to just to show you that not all cases are so well known by everyone. Not all cases are just lights in the sky. And not all cases uh, are, you know, crashed aliens 50 years ago that no one has any proof of. Now again, as with everything. Having solid proof with this is madden- maddeningly difficult. You know, no one has these stones that, uh, you know, the scientists said were otherworldly. Uh, there's no footage of the actual UFO, etc. However, you've got eyewitness accounts of multiple people. And to me, it will always be one of the most fascinating cases. And as always with me, until it proven otherwise, I keep my mind open. So aside from that, folks, I hope that you all have a great week. Remember that next week's episode will be about the lost city in the Grand Canyon. Follow me over on Instagram. As I say, if there's uh, anything that you would like me to cover over, you can drop me an email on theparanormalsun at gmail.com. Uh, again, over at the Instagram page, I'll be doing teasers leading up to the show. And um, and as, as always, folks, I'll leave you with the quote from uh, Art Bell, which is that a mind should not be so open that the brain falls out, However, it should not be so closed that whatever gray matter which does reside within may not be reached. With that, folks, have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon.